Agenda tonight, we're taking a trip back to last week's Isle of Man government conference. I'm Lewis Foster, in for Phil Gorn, and on Wednesday evening and all day Thursday last week, I attended the Q&A sessions, talks and presentations held in the Villa Marina in Douglas. Two years in, Cannon's administration tried to give us an update and answer our questions about what government has been up to. I'll start back on the opening night when Ministers Treasury, Chief and Health were all put in front of an audience in the Broadway Cinema Room. I struggled for a seat but managed to get sat down as Chief Minister Alfred Cannon took to the stage first, answering questions around growing the population, plans for the island's own housing association and much more. How were you feeling going through all that and uh, facing off some of those questions? I think it's important. It's an opportunity for different people from across the island to have a chance to speak to me to challenge me to question me and you know rightly so so you know, it's part of a part of my job to to be answerable to to the public and you know it's good to see so many people there a, a range of questions you never quite know what what to expect we got a good range of questions on everything from from energy to housing and um, I, I hope you know people came away at least with some sense of the purpose and direction that the government's following and also clearly there were some of those questions which would leave me with some food for thought. Housing Association now this is must be a very uh, a fresh topic we've got uh, more on this tomorrow at the conference but uh, about three questions uh, around uh, from uh, from Douglas councillors as well it has to be said in the audience uh, were you expecting that to be a, be a big topic in the Q&A? Well I think I think we should really hear from the experts tomorrow about the potential for housing association i think we've done a report now we've commissioned this report there's potential for us to push ahead i think for the government to push ahead concentrate on its own stock um but along that pathway indeed you know proviso of timwald support i hope there'll be a chance to properly engage with the local authorities about the opportunities that a housing uh, association will bring the benefits of that and I think what we have to do, of course, is make sure that we're putting aside sort of personal political positioning and trying to make sure we're getting the right outcomes for the whole island and for society. And I think there's a lot of evidence from what I've seen that a shift in emphasis, a shift in strategic direction, a bit more uh, flexibility um, away from government bureaucracy potentially may bring significant benefits to people who are looking for social or who need social housing support who need first-time buyer support who need sheltered housing support um, so so there's lots of potential there and I, I hope that we'll be engaging with Douglas and and other um, authorities as as this debate moves forward but I think from council's perspective we do as well want to move to a position where we are delivering and I think Tolson will say and we'll hear this tomorrow that government can do this uh, with its stock, add benefit in terms of stock numbers um, and, and potentially drive a better direction for, for the future. You were keen to point out that it wouldn't be a quick fix but do you imagine that's what quite a few people are craving right now? Well, in some ways, we are we are delivering some quick fixes in terms of an extensive housing program that is being followed at the moment. We've not been shy in in declaring that we wanted to see a thousand new houses built, and you know, twenty odd percent of those houses will be for first time buyers. And 
you know, alongside that, not only has government got its current current stock and its allocation, but obviously the local authorities are dealing with with a number of the, both the waiting lists and the challenges that are facing them, and do have development programs going on. Nevertheless, a lot of that can be a lot more focus can be brought to that. I think a lot more financial control can be brought to that, and a lot better outcomes can be delivered. And that's what the debate we want to have in the next few weeks about the potential for a housing association and. And I, I think for me, for council, um, pending Timwald approval, there, there is an opportunity to start changing the thought process uh, in terms of how housing solutions are delivered. You mentioned at the uh, very start of the session as well that you, these types of, uh, of sessions and uh, conferences aim to, to reach all, all areas of, uh, of the society on the Isle of Man. Are you confident, given the, the demographics in the room as well, that uh, we're going some way towards that? That was a good. That was a good. Good. Good mix of people, um, and you know, there's obviously limitations. Not everybody can come out on a on a Wednesday evening. Um, lots of people have lots of different commitments, lots of travel commitments. It's not perfect. I think part of what we're trying to do is to evolve and develop um, this con- conference concept, if you like, uh, and to try and find the right space to reach out to allow as many people who want the opportunity to to engage to have that um, op- opportunity but look you know for the hundred or hundred or so people that were in in the room uh, forgive me if that's slightly wrong figure but I, I reckon it's probably a hundred or so I uh, hopefully it was a good uh, chance for them to, to question me and I hope they got something out of it next in the hot seat was Treasury Minister Dr Alex Allenson I asked him how he felt it went I mean, it was re- really interesting. I mean, I mean, one of the whole things about this conference is to have those two-way conversations. So I got a- asked very pointed questions about healthcare funding and how how, how we're going to afford it um, to provide the services we need. I got asked about pensions and going forward in terms of the National Insurance Fund. Got asked about international taxation rules. Got asked about the way we balance our currency against pound sterling. So some really interesting questions looking at the technical nature um, of how we ba- how Treasury works, but also talking about the politics as well. And in terms of engagement, how, how effective do you think these kind of Q&A sessions are? I think it's an opportunity for, for, for people to you know, confront politicians face-to-face with things that they're not happy about, things that they're curious about, or things that they want to learn more about. This isn't the only way we interact with people. We do lots of conversations, consultations, but I think this is a very honest and open way of, of answering those questions. There's no script, there's no filters, there's no necessarily some bodyguards there. Um, it, it's that immediacy of politics on the Isle of Man that I think we, we really should ch- cherish um, and really should build on going forward. And you were discussing uh, the various strategies included in the island plan and, and how especially you're going to afford all them. I think, did you sense some sympathy from the audience with the amount that you, you have on, on, on Treasury's plate? Yeah, again, Tinwald is representative of the people. We have a very diverse population here with very different needs and priorities. Part of Treasury's role is prioritising where we spend the money because we have a finite resource here in terms of the budget. And, and we can't you know, um, make sure that we put all the money in for everyone's wishes. What I'd like to think we do is we explain why we're prioritising one strategy necessarily over another, how we are committed to making sure those strategies deliver. Sometimes that's not just more money, it, it's working the smarter way. But, but I think the questions were quite right, and that's something that both Treasury and the Council of Ministers are working on as we speak, because 
we are now at the point in this administration of delivering on these strategies and making sure people can see the benefit of some of the promises we made, particularly last year at the first conference. And, well, there was no escaping it when it came to be Health Minister Laurie Hooper's turn. There was one topic which had the audience twitching in their seats, waiting lists. If you want to have 18-week referral times, if you want to have waiting lists that are not two and a half years, we need to pay more into the system. It's that simple. We've got a system that's not working. No, we have a system that is delivering for what we're paying for. A member of the audience highlighting the plight of a patient on the Isle of Man they claimed had waited 28 months for a gastroenterology appointment. I caught up with the health minister after this encounter. So I've had that conversation on the doorstep during the election campaign, for example. My, my position has been relatively clear for, for a number of years that if you want a top quality health service, you have to invest in your health service. It's the same uh, principle, I think, for a lot of public sector uh, services. Uh, the reality is uh, in previous administrations that hasn't happened. And so now we are in the situation we're in and we are trying to dig ourselves out of it almost. Uh, but it is a difficult and, and long journey. And so the conversation we need to start having with the public and with Timwald colleagues is actually, OK, what level of service do you want? And if if you want a certain level of service, that's roughly what it's going to cost. How are we then going to pay for it? And those are the conversations we're starting to have around things like nursing and residential care, which we'll be talking about tomorrow. It's exactly the same principle across the health service. We need as a society to decide uh, what sort of waiting list length is acceptable to us, You know, how long people should, should have to wait to see a GP, what sort of size of a waiting list is acceptable, whether services should be provided here or across, and then we'll know roughly what the service is going to cost, and that's then what we need to, to fund. At the moment, I think we're at risk of demanding very high service levels from, uh, in this case, the health service, but I think it's also true elsewhere in the public sector, uh, but not being willing to actually fund them the way that they're needed. And so this is, uh, it is now really well past time we had those quite honest conversations with each other. Um, I know the Treasury are on board are looking at developing you know, a tax strategy around some of this stuff. It, it is a, a difficult place to be in, but it is unfortunately where we are. The questioner put it to you that someone was more likely to see a coroner at some point than a uh, an under taker sorry than a, a gp uh, a doctor um wh- how how long can we last where we are now do you think before something has to change i would argue that something has to change already i think we're past that point uh, because we are in a situation where if you look at manx care forecasting significant overspends we're looking at you know 27 million was the last number uh, you, that, that is not sustainable uh, sir jonathan's report that was published in 2018 or 2019 don't forget that was you know a number of years ago now uh, that actually indicated if we don't solve this problem, the funding gap in health will balloon to the hundreds of millions rather than the tens of millions. And that is not sustainable for the Isle of Man. Uh, if we don't tackle this now, it is a problem that should have been tackled. I appreciate COVID did get in the way somewhat for the last administration. But if we don't tackle this problem now, we are handing this significant issue over to the next generation. And that is not a position I want to be in. And in terms of the where we are, the government conference, do you appreciate this level of engagement and being able to be put in position? like that where for the public that are in attendance and the uh, the other members of the government as well can see what kind of comments you get on a daily basis I imagine. Yeah I mean that is regular that conversation there was nothing new or surprising about that line of questioning uh, from me uh, myself and Dr Allenson hold public monthly surgeries in Ramsey for our constituents Liberal Vanin hold regular public meetings once a month every every month uh, so from my perspective actually being involved and engaged with the Manx public is, is definitely part of the course I really do welcome the government putting this on 
on actually doing this to maybe reach out to people that don't normally attend those sort of events um, but the reality is it, this is really beneficial I think for everyone so we all know we are talking about the same things we're talking about the same issues we're on the same page and actually being able to have those really honest really frank conversations with people I, I can't see a downside to it final word uh, main takeaway from tonight uh, well, the main takeaway from tonight is I think the problems that we're tackling are the ones that people want us to tackle by the sides of things. We, we talked about quality, we talked about Manx Care, we talked about funding, we talked about waiting lists. Um, generally, I think the questions that are being asked there are the questions that I'm getting regularly from others, from colleagues in Timwall, from constituents, from people further afield in the island. So, yeah, no real surprises, which in some ways is very reassuring because it means we're at least dealing with the right problems. Cut to day two of the conference, and there was plenty on the agenda, but I made a beeline to the promenade suite, where members of Manx Utilities were giving an update on plans for onshore renewable energy. Whilst catching up with Chair Tim Crookall and Energy Transition Lead Lizzie Riley, we were briefly heckled. So this is the very, very first stages of our, our programme and any project that we're delivering, specifically the wind farm we're talking about here. So there is years worth of additional study required, uh, public engagement consultation, and we're um, working on that going forwards. And we can hear some of the feedback uh, behind you that you're getting. It does seem like a really challenging uh, thing to try and persuade people and get across. Do you feel up against it? Yeah, I mean, it, um, it, it is it's challenging, but at the end of the day, we are here to deliver what has been set for us by the Isle of Man government and that target is to deliver an onshore wind farm by 2026 so uh, inevitably that's got some technical challenges to it as well but we're working as hard as we can to uh, get that target delivered. And we're talking about those sites that have been narrowed down do you feel confident that it's possible? It is possible and that's what the impact assessments will tell us now and going forward you know whether it's possible on those two sites if it's not as I've just said in the room if it's not we have to stop there and find somewhere else or come up with something else but that's the system and that's the planning system we're going through. At the end of the day we've got we've got a team of people who are just trying to do their job at the moment um, and we're working as hard as I said to deliver these targets we're trying to give people as much feedback as we can um, but while we're doing that um, things are going to take time so please bear with us we'll do as much as we can there'll be a lot more information coming out in the next couple of weeks I didn't see who did the heckling but it could have been a number of audience members who shared concerns around the proposed wind farm sites especially that at Erie Stain and Scards which they say is Heathland Hello, I'm Philip Jenkins. I've, uh, I'm a property owner in the area and I've got tourist accommodation within 500 metres of the proposed site. But, uh, it's down south. It's down south, yes. Um, I mean, people would like to call me NIMBY. I don't care. But I consider that all of the island's residents are NIMBYs, um, really because we shouldn't be doing this on land when we've got a, an offshore option and interconnector. And let's talk about those main concerns that you brought up there about the Heathland and that land around here. Saying you, you say it is, it is Heathland and shouldn't be touched. Yes, it is Heathland. Um, when you look at the mapping, you'll see that it, um, in the Mangus maps, you'll see that where there's plantations, there are different colours. Um, it was just an error that they haven't looked at to realise that it is actually a plantation on Heathland. And by their own admission, they do not build on Heathland because the damage you can do, um, it's irreparable over 100 years, but it also won't be carbon neutral. There was a study done by a university in Scotland that stated if you built turbines on Heathland, and this is without cutting trees down, um, it wouldn't be carbon neutral by 2050. So that in itself is, is a, a problem. 
today's presentation, did it allay any of your concerns? No, it gave me a lot more. Um, it just shows that they really haven't thought this through properly. They haven't engaged with the public. Um, they were supposed to have. We're already in stage two, where you've got people walking around in high vis doing studies for wildlife um, on a windy, overcast day. Um, it's just not been done correctly. Well, I didn't have long to digest everything from the Manx Utilities meeting before I was back in the room to hear Manx Care Chief Executive Theresa Cope give a presentation on improving integrated care. I asked her what that and home first actually means. So it sort of bridges the gap between um, hospital care and the basic primary care provision that we have. So it would allow you to perhaps come out of hospital care sooner um, with a little bit more support. It would also enable you to step up from primary care and avoid having to come into hospital. So it is basically that gap in provision that we've had for such a long time that we now are putting in place and and it really does help promote independence it's allowing people to have that little bit of extra support without going into hospital uh, staying in their own homes if possible staying in their own communities so yes I mean uh, that's it very very simply and I thought it was interesting it was mentioned about people's perception of how to access care calling 999 things like that that we're used to might have to change there might have to be some some new thinking as it were absolutely and it's a model that has existed here on the island for an awful long time and as I said the the model of ambulance service has not really changed for 30 years and we know there is lots and lots of evidence so it isn't like we're picking something new and different lots of health and care systems have put this in place it's been well established for a number of years Um, and it's really important to convey that to the public because ringing 999 isn't and shouldn't be the only option Um, an ambulance being dispatched to you without any form of clinical assessment prior to that isn't the norm and shouldn't uh, happen going forward Um, and only if you really need to come to hospital will you be taken to hospital Um, so sometimes that will mean staying in your own home being given other appointments having a visit from another professional you know there are lots of options but I think we are starting on this journey Um, and it is it does start with um, that clinical navigation. So in the joint services control room, when you dial 999, you will, there will start to be a clinical conversation um, and a clinical assessment to understand what you do need from health and care. And there's always talks about funding when it comes to Manx Care and health. And is this a way of being more efficient with the budgets that you are bound by? It starts to address that, yes. Um, It it won't automatically create savings for the system, but over time what it will create is a greater value for money, and I think that's important. It doesn't save any money, but it's a more efficient, more effective um, way of delivering service provision, more sustainable. And ultimately, um, if we sort of look five years ahead, um, we would just be continually putting more and more money into this current model, which is unsustainable sustainable and far too costly and in five years time we will have a better and more sustainable system that we can say it's actually delivering some value for money for us. Well amongst the crowd hearing about these plans to improve the care system was the CEO of Crossroads Care, Jackie Betridge. 
I think the idea, the concept is absolutely wonderful. I don't think we have bottomed out how we're going to do it. Um, but more importantly for me, doing home first and keeping carers um, able, as in home people who live with people who they're caring for, um, I think that's going to be really, really difficult. We are not doing carers' assessments. Carers' assessments are not being done. And because of that, we have no idea who is living with who, how it works, no one is getting the care that they might need. We don't know about carers um, and Crossroads is 40 years old this year. Um, we've been doing this for 40 years and I am going to stand up and make sure that that is taken into account. You said during the first panel that carers on the island, family carers are the most misunderstood. Is that all down to those assessments as you said? Absolutely. I think we just accept the fact that everybody has to just get on with it. I think in reality it gets really hard to do that. Um, obviously people care for many different reasons, for, for many different people, for many different ages. But the ageing population, um, we know it's always been there. The Isle of Man is, is historically had an ageing population. And we are just not able to understand what carers need to keep people in their own home safely. Are you satisfied with what you heard in, in that second half when you, you challenged them about the, the assessment? So you, are you hopeful that now something can be done? No, I'm not satisfied. No, I'm absolutely not satisfied. It is too little too late. So we need it now. And by now, I do mean now. This autumn, those carers deserve to have carers' assessments just to check that they're okay. Um, and they need to be ongoing people's lives change, people get older, and for me that is paramount to keeping people in their own homes. Well, it couldn't be everywhere at once, of course, but thankfully local democracy reporter Emma Draper was along at the panel Q&A in the afternoon hearing about plans for a housing association. She spoke with Gary Kermode, the head of facilities, maintenance, public estates and housing, and Lindsay Wood, a member of Andium Homes in Jersey. I think really early this year, both with Minister Thomas at the time and the Chief Minister, it became apparent that they wanted to move quickly. They wanted to deal with uh, the housing crisis as it's perceived. That instigated an instruction re-looking at housing associations, which we did. We were given quite a tight timetable and we would have preferred to do a, a wider consultative report, but the timeframes didn't allow for that. And we had so much prior information and we had consultants that had worked with us and understood the market. We felt we were, we were informed enough to deliver the report in the time they wanted it, to get it to the end of the summer so we could meet this conference deadline. We could then get it out to the, the wider island and hopefully get uh, the go-ahead to move forward with it. At the moment, we've had to restructure the project to make it more consultative, to not uh, go down this option one which everyone is jumping on. Focus on option one, obviously, because that will reduce time, reduce cost, depending on how wide we go with this. We're definitely consulting with the DOI tenants and we just want to allay that there's no concern for them, there's no change for them, there's no issues on how they rent the uh, agreements they have in place at the moment and yes we will definitely be consulting with the people residing in the properties we're discussing. I think it could definitely work here we have shown that it can work in Jersey we took what was the housing department's homes and we transferred it to a housing association it wasn't completely new people all the people from the housing department transferred over to the housing association but the key difference was that we created a structure and a business model whereby we could completely focus on housing and that was just our main priority um, without being distracted by wider government objectives such as health and education. From what I've seen and the people I've spoken to here, it feels like it is a model that could also work for the Isle of Man. 
And there we are, a whirlwind whip-through of the Isle of Man Government Conference 2023. So what's the point of it all? Well, government assures it's a good method of engagement. The times were changing from last year to include the Wednesday evening slot and allow more people to come along. And certainly, some seminars were well attended, mostly by those who seem to have a vested interest in the topic. But in the Royal Hall, as the Chief Minister gave his final address, the number of empty chairs vastly outnumbered those taken up. So does the conference have value? Well, Alfred Cannon, who was battling with a trapped nerve in his back, told the audience he thinks so. So I hope that uh, everybody has uh, enjoyed the conference. I'll be interested to know um, from people whether or not they have got value. We will obviously consider how we deliver this uh, again in, in the future. I hope we get to deliver this in the future. So there we are. What do you think? Will you be going along next year? Will there even be a conference next year? We'll wait and see. Phil Gorn will be back next time on Agenda. For now, though, I'm Lewis Foster. Guramayu, thanks for listening.